0: It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach.
1: Good morning, everybody. Dick Gabriel sitting in for Mr. Leach once again. Tom is uh, having a little dental work done. It's never fun, but I believe this will wrap things up for him for a while. Uh, So we're happy to sit in. I am uh, safely and uh, essentially distant distanced from everybody i'm in my garage if you listen to my show on wlap here in lexington each night you know that uh, that's where we set up shop at least right here in the garage next to the washing machine because well that's where the modem is up on the shelf so anyhow uh, we're glad to come to you and to fill in for mr leach as well and you know we're going to talk to uh, justin Rowland today from catch illustrated and our buddy neil price who uh, with tom went over some of the great broadcasting moments in sports history. We're going to pick up where they left off last time. That is a lot of fun. I've done it myself on my show. And if you are a fan of sports, if you're a fan of radio, that's why you are with us right now. And that is the greatest combination is those moments. And that's why we are sports fans. And that's why those of us who are fortunate enough to be in the broadcasting business probably cut our teeth ...on moments like these. And so these are radio, by the way. These are strictly radio. There have been some great TV calls, but of course the radio calls go way back. Go back and then some go way back. So uh, it's a lot of fun. And uh, what's interesting is I've got a few years on Mr. Price... But he is old school when it comes to radio and uh, the great moments in broadcasting and things like that. And just to let you know, and I always tease him about this, one of the many things I like about Neil is he is a huge fan of Johnny Carson of the old Tonight Show. And, of course, all he's ever really been able to see, I think, are reruns or maybe Carson at the end of his career, but... That just shows you that Neil has an appreciation for and an affinity for uh, TV and radio that goes way back. So, and that's why he's a great broadcaster. So uh, we are glad to have you with us as well, though, and we hope you do enjoy that. But as we said, we're going to talk to Justin Rowland as well uh, before. And we'll talk a little bit with Justin about the impact of uh, Kenny Payne leaving Kentucky. Uh, that happened uh, a couple of days ago. And it is still sort of people are still sorting that out. You know, one of the questions, of course, instantly uh, in this part of the country is how does it affect Kentucky's recruiting? Well, there's nothing immediate as of right now. Of course, it's still way too early, uh, and you know, and and they will bring in Bruiser Flint. It's not official yet, but this is a guy with an established name and reputation and had some success in the college coaching business, and of course, he was the trigger, uh, the triggering mechanism, if you will, his firing uh, for John Calipari to kind of talk himself into a corner. This was several years ago, but you might recall that uh, Bruiser Flint lost his job. Uh, His team really sagged when his best player transferred at the last minute, and Things went sour, as they often do for teams in that situation. And John John Calipari basically lashed out. He was being loyal to a friend, and I truly, truly appreciate that. Of course, now Calipari is all about the transfers, uh, and only in certain situations. But it was interesting that back then uh, he was so angry on behalf of his friend and so wounded on behalf of his friend that he lashed out at the idea of kids transferring. He talks about wanting what's best for kids, and oftentimes the transfer is best. But he is correct when he talks about and, and he did this indirectly, about the backwash, about what happens to coaches. And it's going to be, as, as uh, the, the transfers keep piling up, it'll be a problem, uh, a greater problem going on for the so-called mid-major coaches. And I know they don't like to be called that. But give me a better term, and I will call you something else. But mid-major is basically uh, what everybody knows them as. So uh, that's going to be fun to watch that kind of unfold. Uh, A Wildcat in the headlines again. Former Wildcat. Once a Wildcat, always a Wildcat in the NBA bubble. Tyler Hero, who had recorded a couple of 20-point games so far in the NBA bubble, got a career-high 30 last night. His previous high had been 29 and the heat just fell to the oklahoma city thunder 116 to 115 he was 9 of 16 from the field 3 three-pointers but 9 of 9 from the line 38 minutes off the bench and for those of us who were surprised that he left for the nba he just keeps proving us wrong links to these stories on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Wildcat News of today, brought to you by Cardinal Point Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial. When we come back, Justin Rowland joins us here on the Leach Report.
0: Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the
1: big blue at TomLeachKY.com. Welcome back to the Leach Report. Dick Gabriel sitting in for the voice of the Wildcats. And I'll be honest, we are having trouble connecting with Justin Rowland. We are attempting to call him on the number where we always call him, but there are some problems with the uh, the phone line, so we'll keep trying. Uh, but we will tell you what else is going on right now in the world of sports. And something that has gotten some traction in that it's being tweeted and liked and retweeted on uh, Twitter is... Uh, a proposal put out there by Jeff Brom, who is the head coach at Purdue. And you in Louisville know that he is a, a UofL product and a graduate of Louisville Trinity, a fine, fine high school, if I say so myself. But uh, And he, of course, is the guy who turned down the UofL job to stay at Purdue. But uh, like everybody in the Big Ten has been sidelined. So Coach Brom has proposed details for a spring season. He has thought this thing out. He is proposing a a spring season of eight games, six divisional games, two what he calls crossover games, and he says uh, make it a rivalry where applicable. And I I apologize. I don't know the the divisional match or uh, divisional uh, uh, setups in the Big Ten. But he said in an eight-game spring season, the Big Ten would... uh, play, uh, you know, East 1 versus West 1 through 7. And in season, only one padded practice allowed per week. First two weeks of the spring, the northernmost teams would play away at the southernmost team's venue. That's a nod, of course, to the weather. Week 6 and 7, southernmost teams would travel north for weather purposes. Football games would be played on Saturdays. College basketball games would be played on Sunday. And he also has details proposed for the fall season for practice. Uh, one padded practice per week, no traditional spring practice for a calendar year 2022 following the 2021 fall season, and then four to five weeks of 20-hour weeks, etc cetera. Uh, this, of course, flies in the face of anybody who believes that, of course, that would put, the health of the players in jeopardy because how do you play a season in the spring? And by the way, he is proposing that they start, I want to say in April. I didn't, I saw the date, but I didn't see, let me keep looking for that. Uh, But his, his uh, proposal had them starting later in the spring than other spring proposals. But again, and, and he talks about this a little bit, but how do you, Ask a kid, even if it's eight games, to play a season, and then take a few weeks off, and turn around and begin preseason practice for the following year, even if it's just an eight-game schedule. And mind you, I want football as much as anybody, and and you know I have vacillated on fall football as much I think as the situation has vacillated. You know, at first it was no, there's no way. Then it was like, hey. It looks like we're going to have football. Then the surge came, and it was back to, well, there's no way they're going to play. But now the SEC has done the prudent thing. It's still not going to ensure that they play. But the SEC has done the prudent thing and pushed the fall schedule back to September 26th. It still may not play football. I mean, you know, if the surge keeps happening, And yesterday we had a high here in Kentucky for positive cases of COVID. If that keeps happening, we will not have football. You know, we sign off our show every night, you know, here in Lexington by saying, we want football, wear your mask. That's just it. Selfish? Sure, I don't care. I want football. You know, I think it's selfish not to wear a mask, but I'm not going to get into it here. Anyhow, uh, if it means football, yeah, we want it. And – It just looks like we aren't going to have it. So, spring football would be the next best thing if all you're worrying about is putting a team on the field. And I know kids want to play; they're always going to say that. You know, I've seen kids on the sidelines, you know, who are hurt, who are damaged, fighting to try to get back out on the field because that's what competitors do. But it's up to the grown-ups. To make sure they don't hurt themselves. Now, unless this spring football proposal goes along with a proposal to delay next fall and play a reduced schedule next fall, I just don't see how it's going to work, how it's going to keep kids safe. Because you think about college football, your season generally ends at the end of November or the middle of December if you're in a bowl game. And then you have how much time? Before you start hitting again, almost seven and a half months, it takes time to recover. You're going to be in the weight room. You're going to be, you've got some spring football, but that's minimal contact in a lot of cases. But to really get ready to play in the summer, it takes a while to recover. So this would put kids in jeopardy, in my opinion. So give me a better plan for the following fall. I'll think about it. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more of the Leach Report in just a minute.
2: Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live
1: on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Leach Report. Dick Gabriel sitting in for the voice of the Wildcats. and Let us now welcome via the Kentucky Hemp Works hotline, the voice of the Mississippi State Bulldogs and a former voice of the Wildcats, Mr. Neil Price, who for 10 years was the radio voice of the baseball Wildcats and the U.K. women, but now works football and basketball for the Bulldogs down there in Starkville. How are you today, sir?
0: Good. I feel like that it should be much later in the day talking to you. <laughs> Well,
1: uh, sitting in for Mister Mister Tom Leach, and I am more than happy to do so, especially because I get a chance to chat with my buddy. And I was talking to, during the setup. I don't know if you heard this earlier in the show, but uh, I've got a few years on you, and yet you and I are simpatico when it comes to uh, our love of the the audio clips the old radio uh, broadcasts of the great moments in sports. And I was also uh, letting the listeners know, you're a big fan of Johnny Carson, so you don't mind going back, going back a ways. But tell me about, uh, you know, when you were coming up and, and listening a little bit and falling in love all over again with some of the old radio clips that were happening before even I was born.
0: Well, I think for me what it comes down to is I'm just not convinced, and I'm not saying that I'm any good at what I do for a living. I'm just lucky somebody's willing to pay me to do it. But I think that there aren't a lot of people in in radio play-by-play today that come from a background that they they have to really be the eyes of a listener. And I think, you know, when you go back to The golden era in, you know, the 40s, 50s, when there was a lot of baseball, a lot of sports on radio, not a lot on television. The people doing those games didn't have any choice but to kind of create and develop a style where they had to to be descriptive. And I want to try to be more like those guys because I believe that's the way it's supposed to be done. So that's what sparked my interest. And I just think, too, when you're talking about radio in general, uh, even in television, I think, there was just an elegance in that time to both of those mediums that maybe doesn't exist today. And yeah. I think there's something
1: really cool about that. I agree. Uh, We're going to play a bunch of clips, and we brought Neil on a segment early because we've got a lot we want to get to. Let me play one for you here before you hit the break. And this is the Titans' miracle called by Mike Keith. This is the great throwback play that was controversial, but it's one of the greatest plays in NFL history.
0: Christie kicks it high and short.
2: Going to be fielded by Lorenzo Neal at the 25. Yeah, it pitches it. it back to Wycheck. He throws it across the field to Dyson. He's got 30, something. He's 40, got something. 50, He's got 40, it. He's got it. 20, 10, He's got five, it. Zone. Touchdown, Titans. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. A miracle for the Titans.
1: That is the call of Mike Keith, and forgive me, I don't know who the color guy was, but you could hear him in the background. And uh, Neil, we got a couple minutes here, but I think you know some of these guys on the Titan Network, don't you?
0: Yeah, and the guy that you don't know is former Tennessee and New York Jets quarterback, Pat Ryan. Okay. Um, and I think one of the things that makes it, other than Mike's enthusiasm, which is contagious, is Pat in the background. He's <laughs> got something. He's got something, you know. You just feel it, Bill. Uh, Mike told a story. I've listened to two or three podcasts he's been on in the last month or so. He told a story about that call and that game, and that was at the end of his first season.
1: Oh my! As a
0: play-by-play guy with the Titans, and um, or the, I don't know. They may have still been the Oilers at that point. I can't remember. Uh, but either way, he said that that game, as far as his performance, he thought it was terrible. He, he just didn't. <laughs> He wasn't having a good day. He was worried that as soon as the season was over, if the Bills would have won, he was going to get called on Monday, and they were going to tell him, hey, look, you gave it a good run, but it's not going to work out. And then this happened. And he said it went from him thinking that at one point and how maybe poorly he felt he had done to having to go do press conferences the following day. With people wanting to know how he how he came up with it, and uh, it, it really launched him and cemented him in that first year as uh, as as the guy you know, with the Titans. And I think you know I, I'm partial to Mike because Mike's a Tennessean and, yeah. and I grew up in Tennessee. But I just I think I think Mike's the best in the NFL. I really do. Uh, I think his energy, his enthusiasm, his preparation. He learned from John Ward, just like I, I grew up listening to John. And, you know, I just think that he's, he's got the total package when you talk about guys who are doing what he does.
1: I agree. He's a good guy, uh, and he does a very nice job. And, what, folks, what you just heard there, that's the typical NFL style where, and we'll talk about this if we have time a little bit later on, but they get even more excited than we do. Maybe, I—I I, no, not maybe, but a lot of times, a lot of overkill I don't say that that call I thought was tremendous but too many times there's overkill and too many times the color guy drowns out the play-by-play guy but this was one of the great calls in the history of NFL broadcasting Dick Gabriel in for Tom Leach with Neil Price back in a minute on the Leach Report
2: report on talk radio 1080 tweet us at leach report or email leach at
1: gmail.com. welcome back to the leach report Dick Gabriel sitting in for the voice of the wildcats and the voice of the Bulldogs is with us Neil Price and we are talking about great moments in sports casting and sharing some audio clips from uh, all over sports and all over the country and uh, some of these are courtesy of the Miley collection. Uh, Thanks to Mr. Leach. Let us go to our next clip. This is a painful one now. I was in Rupp Arena for this one. This was the top-ranked Kentucky Wildcats, led by Rex Chapman, falling to Auburn. This was the final few seconds, the final shot by Auburn and the miss by Kentucky. And I can tell you, Auburn's had some really good teams under Sonny Smith. This was not one of them, but this is one of the greatest moments in Auburn basketball history.
2: Taylor! 53-52 Auburn. Rex Chapman in the forecourt. Long shot, no good. Taylor got the Auburn. We're going to do it. They did they it. We're going to do it. Auburn. They did it. It's foul. It's, it's over. over. It's over. It's over. Auburn. 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 Auburn has done it. Auburn has defeated the top-ranked Kentucky Wildcats here in Rupp Arena. 53-52. Whoa, Eagle. Eagle!
1: Folks, if you ever wonder. What it means to a team to upset the wildcats, that is the greatest example. And Neil, I believe that's the late great Jim Fife, is it not?
0: Jim Five from Paintsville, Kentucky.
1: Yeah. had you heard yeah. that one?
0: I had not heard that one. no um, that uh, but but you know, I, I knew Rod Bramlett well and have known Andy Burcham uh, who filled it or who's taken over for Rod you know I, I've known Andy for years yeah. because we were doing one basketball games together and uh, I can see where both of them get it uh, <laughs> you know, Jim and then later Rod and, and now Andy uh, they, they have an unbridled enthusiasm for their Tigers
1: yep and And if people still don't understand, War Eagle is not the mascot. It's just the war cry. And there's, you know, you can Google it and read about it. It's a great story about why they yell that. But, uh, yeah, that is still, people down there still talk about that shot and that game to this day. That brings us to something Mr. Price knows really well, and that is baseball. And he called a lot of home runs in his time calling baseball for the Wildcats. But probably, we're going to play probably the two most famous home runs in the World Series history. Uh, First of all, there are two different cuts for the famous Bobby Thompson home run. Uh, It was called, of course, by the home team and the visiting team, Giants and Dodgers. And the first one's probably the one that we know the most. That is the call, Thompson in 1951, his home run called by Russ Hodges.
2: Brooklyn leads it, one to two. Arthur down the line at third, not taking any chance. Watson without too big of a lead in second, but he'll be running like the wind if to hits one. Back right throws. throw, Brooklyn Delivers the correct <laughs> left field. It is a whole
1: And that second call was by Red Barber. That was national radio, actually, not the uh, the home team. And uh, obviously, there's a difference. But Neil, that Giants win the pennant by Russ Hodges, phenomenal. And as we, if most people who follow the game know that, or at least back that far, that those two, the hitter and the pitcher, actually made public appearances together, uh, because Branca, of course, felt so horrible about it. But uh, but Thompson said, hey, let's go make some money together. And I think that's one of the great story, untold stories in baseball. But that is one of the, a, a real goosebump raiser, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and there was an article uh, in the last week or two in Sports Illustrated uh, or online that uh, they asked a lot of guys who are are prominent broadcasters, sports broadcasters, now to name their favorite calls. And I think it was Kevin Harlan who brought up. The, the, Russ, the Russ Hodges call Of Bobby Thompson's home run And for the same reasons I think that it, it, it resonates With us Enthusiasm uh, He didn't get so caught up in, in what was going on That he forgot to describe What happened in the aftermath Of the home run And at it's very core It's very simple But it's got everything you need And, and also conveys the emotion It's, it's an all-timer
1: I agree with you. Absolutely. Now, the Dodgers had a great moment, of course, when Kirk Gibson went yard with uh, one of, if not the most famous home run in Dodger history. Uh, We have two versions. The first called, of course, this is Dodger Radio by Vin Scully.
2: High fly ball into right field. She is gone. In a year. The impossible has happened.
1: Now, what you heard there was that audio dipped a little bit. And, Neil, that's because Vince Scully was the master of what we call laying out. He just let the crowd carry that moment for 20 or 30 seconds, didn't he?
0: Yeah, uh, not quite as long as when he got up and walked to the back <laughs> of the booth after Hank Aaron's home run in Atlanta. But, um yeah let the crowd tell the story and I mean I, I, I'm I'm such a huge fan of Vin Scully uh, but I, I think about hearing that and I can immediately in my mind see Kurt Gibson around second base you know yeah. drawing the arm back you yeah. know chugging the fist and uh, yeah and then the line at the end is, is just classic Vin Scully who yep. else Could come up with that. I mean, who, who, well, you're going to find out. The guy that you're going to play next is the only (laughs) other guy, I think, who
1: could have come up with it. That's right. The next one is Joe Buck. He was doing the game for national radio, and he was excited. Not that he's a Dodger fan, he was a Cardinals guy uh, by trade, but he just loved being part of the moment and a great story in baseball. This
2: is going to be a Gibson, and the Tigers have won the game 5-4. to I don't believe what I just saw. I don't believe what I just saw.
1: Neil, how great was it, and how much better did it make it that he came back a second time and said, I don't believe what I just saw, with a different inflection?
0: You know, I don't know. I mean, it it, it, it punctuates it, no question about that, Uh, but I really believe for a guy who had seen so much baseball by that point in Jack Buck's career and would see a whole lot more, uh, I, I really think that it was just genuine excitement. Yep. And I know when you and, and, and me and Doug Flynn were around the ballpark a lot, you know, doing Kentucky games, you or Doug would always say at some point, if you keep showing up long enough, you're going to see something that you've never seen yeah. before. Yep, And, you know, I'm sure Jack Buck had seen game-winning home runs before, but maybe not quite as dramatic as that one, given Kirk Gibson's circumstances coming into that at-bat.
1: Yep, playing on one leg, and nobody thought he'd play at all, but what are the great stories in baseball. Neil Price is talking great moments in broadcasting. We're back in a minute on the Leach Report.
2: This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at KY.
1: Welcome back. Dick Gabrielin, for Tom Leach. We are visiting with Neil Price, the radio voice of the Mississippi State Bulldogs and a former radio voice of the Wildcats. By the way, Neil filled in a couple, three times for Mr. Leach on U.K. men's basketball as well. We're talking about great moments in broadcasting. And Neil and I, and a lot of people, just so love hearing these old clips. And I've gotten some texts from friends of mine who are listening right now. But they are so much fun. And I remember watching this next one on television. But this is the radio call. This is the Boston College radio network of the most famous touchdown pass ever thrown by Doug Flutie. Down in the Orange Bowl against Miami. A Hail Mary, a prayer that was answered. Ball game, folks, as Booty takes the sack. He
2: drops straight back, has some time. Now he scrambles away from one hit. Looks, uncorks a deep one for the end zone. Salen is down there. Oh, he got it! He's he got it! Touchdown. Touchdown. Touchdown! Touchdown! Touchdown, Touchdown! Boston College! He did it! He did it! Booty did it! He got Salen in the end Oh my goodness! What a play! Floating to Gerard Palin! 48 yards! No time on the
1: clock, it's all over! They're a little biased there, Neil, a little over the top, but I guess if you're a Boston College fan, you're up for anything.
0: Yeah, and and at that point in time, the history of of those two programs, you know, that's that's a huge win. Yeah, for Boston College, and you know, immediately becomes one of the iconic moments in the history of college football. Um, yeah, I, I just again, you yeah, know, there there's a big debate, I think, in in the industry about the analyst and how much enthusiasm and you know, talking over the play-by-play yeah. announcer, all that. In that moment, how can you not just let that go? I mean, because <laughs> if you're a fan of Boston College and you're listening to that, that's your reaction. That's right, right? I mean, and I do think there's there's a part when you're working for a team like Tom and and me and you have done at Kentucky throughout your career. When you're working for a team, you you have, I think, a responsibility to connect with the audience, with the fan base. And if you're their eyes and and you're there painting that picture for them, if they were there – odds are they're going to be that excited too. So <laughs> I just think it's great when it's genuine. When yeah. it's not forced, when it's genuine like that, it's, it's wonderful.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Well, speaking of genuine, our next clip comes from a guy who absolutely was genuine. Uh, whether you liked him or not, some people did, some people didn't. But Howard Cosell, who at, I think was at his best when he called boxing, when, when boxing was in its heyday, and uh, he called, of course – the 64 fight, Sonny Liston, and then Cassius Clay, uh, and Liston refused to answer the bell. That's that's how he lost that fight. His handler, I think, or Liston, just knew he couldn't beat him, so he didn't come back out. So there was no uh, dramatic knockout blow. But Cosell gives it as much drama and theater as if Clay had knocked him cold. So give a listen to a young Howard Cosell come up to
2: around seven play looks like the about
1: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I mean, what a tremendous way to set up that clip. And then we've got actually, we've got audio from the post fight interview within Cassius Clay. You may have heard some or all of this, but this was almost as good as the call. I right, am
2: the greatest right. Cassius, you are the, the, the king. I like am the king of the world. They come to truth Tell the like, truth, Cassius. Get that? I have upset the world. Give me justice. If you ever believe it would happen There's this rain. way, I told you. If you want to go to heaven or get him in seven, I am the king. I am the king. I am the king. What made him so easy for you? Because I'm too fast. He was scared. Who gave you your plan? Angie Dundee? No, myself. Was there any single point where you thought you had it? I thought I had it in the first round.
1: I tell you what, Neil. it didn't get much better than that when it comes to boxing. But the wait-a-minute call, I hadn't heard that in forever. And like I said, that's every bit as effective as a great knockout punch, the call of a great knockout blow.
0: Yeah, and that's the first time I'd heard the, the call uh, where Sonny Liston didn't answer the bell. Uh, you know, And, and of course, the, the interviews. How many iconic interviews are there that involve Howard Cosell and Muhammad Ali. I mean, they worked so well together, yeah. and I think part of the reason that it did work was because both of them had very strong opinions, and they weren't scared to share them with people. <laughs> uh, you know, and they were great foils for, or, or Cosell was a great foil for Ali, no question oh, yeah. about that. And it was must-see television every time.
1: Well, and you know the other thing, too, that people don't realize is that they, they needed each other. Cosell and Ali needed each other, but uh, to your point. But the other thing, too, was Howard Cosell was an attorney before he became a sportscaster and never let anybody forget it. He was a brilliant man. And he was the first person to publicly, and he had quite the pulpit, quite the podium, to publicly declare that Ali had been robbed of due process when they took his title. And Muhammad Ali never forgot about that. So that's why they were such great. Uh, Kindred Spirits. And speaking of Kindred, there's a terrific book I will commend to you called Sound and Fury, written by Dave Kindred, the former sports editor of the Courier-Journal. There there are a million books about Muhammad Ali, but this one was a little different because it was written through the prism of their relationship, and it's absolutely tremendous. I recommend that. Uh, i got one more clip for you, and this is another famous home run call. This was Roger Maris. Going for number 61, and some people believe that it uh, should still be uh, looked upon as the record. But this is the scooter, Phil Rizzuto, uh, who himself was a New York Yankee as a player, calling number 61 by Roger Maris.
2: Two balls, no strikes on Roger Maris. Here's the windup. Fastball hits deep
1: That's the scooter, Neil, and uh, he was uh, a piece of work himself, wasn't he?
0: There are three things that I think of when I think of Phil Rizzuto, and one of them is right there—the holy cow. Yep. Um, the the second is when he would walk away. Yes. And would have the scorebook and would come back, and you would see in the scorebook the, the notation W-L, and yep. somebody would say, what does that mean? And he would say, wasn't looking. And uh, and then the third is the keychain that George Costanza yeah. loses that gets paved over in the New York City street. And at the end, when the water main bursts, you've got it up in the air. Holy cow! You know, Yeah, the, uh, it, uh, uh. Rizzuto was Rizzuto was one of the best, and yeah. I think that's the great thing about baseball announcers in general. You know, Rizzuto had personality. Harry right. Carey had personality. Right. Uh, uh, Bob Uecker still has it. Marty had it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just that, that's the thing I think that yep. more than any other sport, it's important because you spend so much time with people, over 162 games almost right. every night of the week in the summer.
1: That's right. Well, Neil, it's always a joy speaking with you and going over clips with you. Thanks so much for your time. Stay well, stay safe, and I will hope to see you soon.
0: Good talking to you.
1: Thanks, buddy. And we'll come back and wrap up this edition of the Leach Report. Com.
2: Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today.
1: My thanks again to Neil Price for joining us. Thanks to Shannon for keeping track and keeping straight of all the clips that we were running. And our thanks again to the Miley Collection for allowing us to use some of their audio cuts. We sure hope you have enjoyed today's show because it's always fun to listen back. And, you know, I've got to roll back. And next time I sit in for Tom, get some of his best clips, too, because he has some great ones as well. Thanks again. Thanks again for joining us here and have a great morning. This has been the Leech Report
0: thanks for listening to the Leech Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at Tomleachky.com whenever you miss a show and be sure